WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 65, all about Grey Havens, chapter 9, book 6 of Return of the King, being the 65th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, you can just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Casey once again of Hello from Elsewhere. Welcome, Casey. Hi. Hello. I'm so <sighs> excited to be here. I know. Yeah. So listeners, if you don't remember way back when, when I started this thing, Casey was the first <laughs> guest for the first chapter and I asked him to come back on for the last chapter. Yeah. It feels, it feels like full circle. Yeah. It feels great. I, I listened to that first episode just like oh, no. for a few seconds, like a few minutes. We're we're such podcasting babies. It was it, it's great. Well, even me more so than you, because like man, I like that was I'm I will never again in my life listen to any of those like first episodes yeah. because like. For, for a plethora of reasons. Like, first of all, I had my microphone facing the wrong way and it sounded yeah. terrible. I also was like just figuring out things as I went right. along. And I also like hadn't really gotten into a groove of how do I interact with my guests. And right. it was it was a whole thing. But like it wasn't too painful. I'll say that okay, it wasn't good. too painful. Yeah. Great, great. <laughs> I'm glad you took that bullet for both of us of, of listening to that for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are, Casey, at the end of all things. Yeah, the actual end of all things. We're here. Oh my goodness. At the end, when I do my credits, I will also make an announcement about like what the next, what is coming. What are the next steps for this podcast? This is not the last episode. There's still a lot of things to cover, obviously. So this is not the last episode. We're just we're just saying goodbye to to the first part of this journey. Yeah. Like I have learned from Tolkien, there are there are a lot of parts to a journey, a good journey. And yep. this is just part one, you know? It's very similar to how Return of the King has twenty endings. Right. And this podcast will have 20 endings. There will be like the end of reading the books, the end of covering the first part of the movies, and then the end of The Hobbit, and then the end of The Hobbit movies, and yep. <laughs> it'll just go on and on. So Very fitting. Also very fitting, Casey, you pointed out in our Discord um, that this episode will be coming out on September 29th, and September 29th is also the date that they reach the Grey Havens. Right. When I discovered that, I was, maybe I'm the only one that finds that f interesting, but I was freaking out. I was like, yes, September 29th. And again, I don't know if anyone else cares, but I was really excited. No, I definitely 100% planned it that way. Yeah. <laughs> All of this from the beginning has just been every time I was like, should I make this episode two parts? Should I make it one part? Should I cover two chapters this episode? It was all for this moment because I am just that good at Because planning. you're a wizard so. and you arrive precisely when you mean to. Yes, exactly. I am a wizard and also Queen Clarice Rinaldi <laughs> of Genovia. So. A queen is never late. Everyone else is simply early. I kept waiting. By the way, I kept waiting for like that quote to show up in the books 
I guess yeah. yeah, I guess it's just a movie quote because I was waiting to use that line from right. the Princess from Diaries, Princess Diaries too, too. and yep. be like, "Wow, Gandalf sure looks different here." But I right. guess I'll have to wait till the movies to do that. But um, well, that that's the thing. I've read these books like two or three times, and there's always lines from the movie that I keep expecting to show up, and it's like, "Oh, that line's not there," and then other lines are obviously, but. That happens to me all the time. I guess that's just a sign of like, they did such a good job with the movies that you can't tell the difference between one or the other and that they yeah. integrated the books so well into the movies. For sure. And it, I mean, it, it's probably part of it is my entry point was the movies. That was the first thing that I sort of experienced in terms of <laughs> Tolkien. And I, I love and adore the movies. And so that's probably part of it too. I would just like to note, side note, that I turned away from my microphone to cough as if I was keeping my germs away from you. <laughs> that no, every just... time I podcast with like a guest or, or I have a, I'm on someone else's, I feel like this compulsion to wash my hands after. Every time. It's... Like, oh I feel like I'm not. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> this is what the world has, has done to our brains, right? All right, cool. So, yeah, let's let's jump in with this chapter discussion. This is Chapter 9, The Grey Havens. Grey um, Havens. Which I have joked several times that it just sounds like the retirement home in the Shire. <laughs> and that's not too far off. It pretty much is, yeah. I'm slightly confused, but we will get there when we get there uh, yep. to, to the moments of, of confusion. But first, uh, so we pick back up right at the end of the previous chapter, basically, which I was kind of surprised. I thought we were going to do like a jump forward to everything is fixed and... Now Frodo is in retirement and then he goes to see Bilbo and like that's how the chapter in the book ends. But it shows a lot more of the process of rebuilding. And the first thing they do is they let uh, all of the prisoners go. First, there is poor Frediger Bulger, fatty no more. He's not fat. He's been in prison. He's a bit emaciated now. And yeah. So they can't use that nickname anymore. It doesn't fit. <laughs> and like... I guess this is both a blessing and a curse for him because if right. my name, you know, if my name was Fatty MC, <laughs> I would be like, hey, let's not do that. But maybe being imprisoned by Saruman's followers would be worth it because you don't yeah. have to be called Fatty anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it was just funny because at first, yeah, it said one of the first that they found was poor Frediger Bulger. And I was like, who is that? Have we met him before? <laughs> and then it said Fatty no longer. And then also of note being released is Lobelia. When she is released, everyone like applauds and cheers for her and she finds that she is very touched by this and this is my this is a great line she had never in her life been popular before <laughs> you don't say <laughs> and she she really has this change of heart um she is of course very upset to learn that her son oh by the way how in the pre when i recorded with my guests for the previous chapter not none of us knew how to say if it was lotho or lotho do you have an idea i've always said lotho but i don't know if that's he's not really in the movie so i yeah i'm, I'm not sure Perfect. <laughs> um, anyway, but he he is he has died. He was killed, and she's obviously very upset by this, and has a a change of heart and gives Bag End back to Frodo. I was just like, wow, what a nice. Oh, and it even says, so that feud was ended, and like, what a nice little again, like Tolkien bringing you know tying up every single little loose thread, yeah. even tying up this thread of the feud of the Saxville Bagginses, which was like very present 
in the first chapter when we recorded that first episode that was like a huge that was like the main thing basically in that chapter was all of the hobbit drama and something i'm struck with as i read this final chapter is how much it mirrors that first chapter Mm -hmm. and how everything really has come full circle and you know like lord of the rings begins and we talk about it in that very first episode about how it sort of begins very lighthearted. it's funny um, the tone is very light and it's more like the Hobbit, the Hobbit book. And here it is like a bookend. Like we've, we start this chapter and things are a little bit light, although at the same time, not everything is going to be the same because war has touched the Shire. Right. And so it's, it's, there's a mirror, but um, it's not a, it's not a one-to-one correlation necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. In the um, previous episode, we talked a lot about things you know coming full circle and i was like huh imagine that a a story about a ring there are a lot of things that are coming full circle and and tolkien really really liked doing that i guess yeah well in in the in literature there's a a concept called ring theory or mm -hmm. chiasmus and you know it's been said like harry potter follows this but a lot of old literature follows it or old poetry and yeah tolkien's not one to shy away from those parallels either it comes full circle as as a whole series as we talked about you know beginning to last chapter even within the series there's parallels i was thinking about like you know, parallels of language like Saruman and Sauron, like that's intentional or Eowyn and Arwen, that's intentional. So he does it even with language. He does it with tone. He'll do it with um, with other characters and situations. For example, like when they first meet King Theoden and they're not welcome into his hall, right, is very much intentionally mirrored later as they meet Denethor and they're very much not welcome in his in his place. But then Tolkien uses that to draw attention to the fact that Theoden is released from his um, you know, possession by Saruman, whereas Denethor is never really released from his possession by fear. So I, I love that there's little things like this throughout the whole series that he very much follows ring theory in a lot of ways. And yeah, it's very fitting considering the, the title. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so the next action, whatever, that they take in rebuilding is they let the old mayor out. He appoints Frodo as deputy mayor. And the only thing that Frodo does as deputy mayor is to reduce the sheriffs to their proper functions and numbers. And uh, I just think that's interesting. Wow, Frodo really said defund the police. So uh, (laughs) just just pointing that out there. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And on another note, uh, that word, it's funny because they spell it sheriff, right? Yeah. Um, different than how we would spell it. And and at first glance, it might just be, oh, that's just kind of a fun Shire way of, of spelling it, right? But of course, Tolkien isn't necessarily doing stuff just for fun when it comes to words pretty much ever. It's always, there's always a purpose. Um, so like our, our modern word for sheriff comes from uh, a phrase called the Shire Reeve, with Shire meaning like county or area, um, and Reeve meaning like an official. So it's it's literally here meaning you know an official of the shire and uh anyways it's like it's like tolkien's version of like a a linguistic pun that is not easily picked up upon necessarily which he does often see this is why i love having you on casey because (laughs) i was like oh yeah that's just a funny hobbit way of spelling sheriff and then you come in with like no linguistically it means x (laughs) y and z and i'm like oh wow tolkien (laughs) it just adds a lot more depth to to all the work that he does um also fun fact my city was once a shire Really? Back in That's the day. That's amazing. I believe. My my friend Bethany and former guest texted me and was like, why couldn't we have stayed a Shire? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. 
So just bring it back. Everyone just decide to build some hobbit holes and just make it happen. Yeah. We're going to be, you know what? We are in the midst of taking down a lot of monuments on Monument Avenue. And everyone's like, go. what What do we put there? Hobbit yeah. holes. Perfect. Yeah. Or a statue of Fatty Bulger. Yes. Fatty no more. <laughs> a before and after statue. That's yeah. <laughs> they also work hard to, they completely get rid of any sign of the ruffians, as they call them, and sharky. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, by the way, Casey, just for your context, when like that whole chapter was, man, what a ride. Um, I was shocked when it was Saruman. Like, I was legitimately like, what a plot twist. <laughs> right. Well, it's not a twist you expect this late in the in the story, yeah. right? And it was just funny because I was just like, well, I guess we've truly seen the last of Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Um, yeah, so they they spend a lot of time dismantling any sign that they were there. They get rid of like every building, every mill, every um, because when they came back to the Shire, they noted that there were all of these ugly buildings that looked man-made, and they completely dismantle them and use the bricks to rebuild hobbit holes and make them stronger for the future. I think it's really, it's like really appropriate for Tolkien to to like pick this theme as, as being like the most, the hardest loss in all of this. It says, the trees were the worst lost in damage, for at Sharky's bidding, they had been cut down recklessly far and wide wide over the Shire, and Sam grieved over this more than anything else. For one thing, this hurt would take long to heal, and only his great-grandchildren, he thought, would see the Shire as it ought to be. And I just thought that was, like, super appropriate of Tolkien to be, like, our hardest, most grieved loss in all of this is nature. Yeah, and that's definitely a major theme throughout. We, I mean, we see it when when Saruman is is desecrating the area around Orthanc and um, this was something that was very important to Tolkien, sort of seeing the rise of industrialization mm -hmm. and the loss of green things. That was uh, a major, it's a major thing because it was very personal to him. Yeah, yeah. This is when Sam remembers the very, con once again, the very convenient elf gifts that they have yeah. received. <laughs> Galadriel gave him a box of dirt, which... I just love to make fun of because it's, it just reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean right. when Jack gets the jar of dirt. <laughs> and they are like, oh, let's open it. This is the best time to use it. And they find that it was filled with gray dust, soft and fine, and in the middle of which was a seed like a small nut with a silver shale. Shall? Shale? I don't think I've ever seen that word. And they decide what to do with it. And Sam is very, he's very sweet. And he's like, I think it would be selfish of me to just use it in my garden, which is what I think that's what originally Galadriel told him was to plant this in your garden when you get back to the Shire. Sam goes and puts like a single grain of the dust basically everywhere they've planted a new, a new plant, a new tree, a new sapling. And they plant this seed where the party tree once was, where Bilbo gave that infamous speech and peaced out of his own birthday party. <laughs> it's just like a testament to the elves' magic that just this single little grain of elf dirt is enough to rejuvenate, basically, the, the Shire. And in the spring, they find that everything is, is blooming way faster than they would have expected. And the... 
seed that they planted is already growing. It says it had silver bark and long leaves and burst into golden flowers in April. It was indeed a a malorn. Malorn. And... I'm wondering, is this the sa- so is this the same tree that is in Minas Tirith, or is this a different kind of tree? Oh, I can't remember if it's the same kind in Minas Tirith. It's definitely the same type of tree that's in um, Lothlorien. Those those trees. Okay. Um, I can't remember about. The- it is a white tree, so it's possible. See, that's why um, I was like, I, I was remember. like, oh, oh, because it mentions that this is the only one of its kind west of the mountains and east of the sea. And so I was like, oh, have they have the elves just been hanging on to one of these seeds to to grow at the right time or something? But I guess if you're saying it's just like a, a, a kind of tree that grows in Lothlorien, I think that would make sense then. But yeah, just the fact that it mentioned that it was it had silver bark just kind of threw me off because I was like, so is this the same tree that grows mm. in Minas Tirith that was a big deal for Aragorn when Gandalf right. was like hey I found a random baby tree that's <laughs> let me see I'm gonna look this up I think it's just yeah I think it's just the kind of tree that's in Lothlorien okay that was what I thought but yeah I wasn't I wasn't sure yeah at least according to what is this Tolkien gateway dot yeah. net <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting, like on another note, I love this that Sam is the one to become this basically super heroic gardener in the Shire, right? He's he's going all over the Shire and making sure that everything's growing well. Because that's that was that daydream that that daydream kind of vision that he had of what, how he would use the ring's power was mm-hmm. he was going to become this great gardener, if you remember. Um, so I love oh, that that's that has true. Yeah. that has come true for him, but in a in a much more positive way using the good elven magic and not Sauron's power. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could say he's really getting back to his original roots. Aha. Uh-huh. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Cuz like that's, you know, that's all he was at the start of this journey was like a very, you know, a humble gardener basically. Yeah. And then now yeah. he's using, you know, he's using his plant love to to nourish the the shire once again and regrow it. It notes that this year is like one of the best years the shire has seen. Everyone's having babies. All of the babies that are being born have this golden hair which is not typical for hobbits and they're very like thrown off by this but that's okay the harvest is great there's tons of fruit being grown and of course there's a lot of weed being grown again which (laughs) was a huge concern a couple chapters ago when we find out from Butterbird that the Shire hasn't been exporting leaf and then we get to the Shire and they're all like yeah there's nothing to smoke anymore and you're like oh no this isn't this isn't gonna fly for long it says I love this part and no one was ill and everyone was pleased except those who had to mow the grass yeah Which I can completely understand because now the the Shire is flourishing like they haven't seen any years before. And so people who have to mow the grass are working twice as hard now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, it's it's Tolkien returning to that same tone that he kind of has this very specific tone of how he writes when we're, whenever we're in the Shire. And I love it. And it I've missed it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just great to note because they've had... You know, the previous year, they had so much to be upset and concerned about. And and now the only concern is that there's so much grass to mow that it's a lot of work. 
and just yeah. a you know a nice note of like oh everything's good again oh and it also notes that the um it says the north farthing barley was so fine that the beer of 1420 malt was long remembered and became a byword and i love this part indeed a generation later one might hear an old gaffer in an inn after a good pint of well-earned ale put down his mug with a sigh Ah, that was a proper 1420, that was. <laughs> uh, so it's all good now. It's all good times. Except, however, Frodo has a dark day. Yeah. Sam is not there when it happens. He's off doing, I don't know, important Sam things at this point. Farmer Cotton goes to check on Frodo, and Frodo is lying down, and he is clutching the white gem that hung on a chain about his neck. And he says, it is gone forever, and now all is dark and empty. And at first, I was, so it notes that this was, let's see, the 13th, I think this was in March. And so at first, I was like, oh, was this the day that the ring was destroyed? Um, Mm. And I was like, oh, that would be really, because later on, he also, he once again feels the pain of the wound that he got from the uh, ring wraiths on the day that it happened. And I was like, oh, that's interesting now that Frodo would have these, like, these like days of darkness and would like feel the pain on the days that he was like most touched by darkness and so i was like oh he he's feeling it is gone forever and now all is dark and empty and i was like oh he's talking about the ring being destroyed but actually when i was skimming the appendix the timeline says that this was the day that he was poisoned by shelob and i was Mm. like I mean, I'll accept that, but I would have liked it better if it had been the the anniversary of the ring being destroyed. But okay, Tolkien. (laughs) Anyway, but I just think it's really interesting that this happens once again, because a couple chapters ago when this happened, when it was the anniversary of him getting stabbed by the ring wraiths, my guest and I talked about how this is very similar to a lot of people's journeys with mental health and how there will be... A lot of days where everything feels great and you're doing well and then some days you wake up and it just doesn't, you know, feel, you just don't feel good. And it's, yeah, it's a, I keep saying dark day. That word comes from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. <laughs> because yep. Luke dark, has a dark Luke's day. Luke's dark day, yeah. <laughs> so that's just like. It's basically the same. <laughs> yeah. So like just an explanation for why I keep saying dark day, but uh anyway, um <laughs> yeah, so but I just, just needs to go fishing and he'll be yes, over. Yes, perfect. Yeah, he just needs to go fishing, just go off by himself and it'll I'll fix it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's just great that Tolkien keeps coming back to this theme of like mental health is a very up and down journey for a lot of people and that there are going to be a lot of up and down days and this is Frodo having that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be good days again in the future because The next line says the fit passed and then Sam comes back and Frodo doesn't need to like he doesn't even think to mention that this happened because there's lots of other things to do and talk about. They talk about like their future and Sam moving into Bag End and and things like that. And so it's just another time that Tolkien comes back to this theme. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because it's a way that he's connecting Frodo to Bilbo and that the ring has affected both of them in similar ways. And yeah. and I'm sorry, I keep harping it, but it, it is a parallel to that first first bit of the story where we see that the ring has affected Bilbo in some way. And he, um, he does kind of have those ups and downs, um, especially because he's not wearing the ring all the time. But 
it's still affecting him. And it, it's the same way here that, it, yeah, that, that Frodo, he's, he's been affected by the ring. He's, he's basically sick from it. And even though the ring is destroyed, that's not going to completely go away. Mm-hmm. Also talking about that connection that he has with Bilbo because of the ring. At first, I was also afraid. I was like, I kept waiting for there to be a moment um, in the previous chapter and this chapter where Frodo like feels a weight or, or something. He notes like feeling some kind of darkness. And then we find out that that's because that was the day that Bilbo died in Rivendell. I just kept waiting for that to happen. And so I'm really glad that didn't yeah. happen. But at first when it ha- when this when this happens, when he has this random day where he's sick and he's having this fit, as they call it, I was like, oh, no, Bilbo's gone. Oh, no. Mm. But yeah. We see him later on in the chapter. It's all good. So I'm really yeah. glad that Tolkien didn't go that route. <laughs> well, and it's uh, it, this line is interesting that Frodo's like, he, he's saying it's gone forever and now all is dark and empty. And you think, well, why would he feel that way? Like the ring's destroyed. That's a good thing. But, and I think part of Frodo feels that, that it's a good thing that the ring is gone. But we have to remember that Frodo didn't give up the, wing, the ring willingly. Like yeah. Gollum had to destroy it basically. Um, and, and Bilbo was the same way. He didn't really want to give up the ring um, at the beginning. And so, yeah, again, it's those ups and downs that f- sometimes I'm sure Frodo's feeling great that that weight is gone, but um, also remembering that it had a great effect on him to the point of he didn't want to destroy it. Yeah, it's definitely the part of him that's saying that is definitely the part that was affected by the ring. Um, also, just thinking about like how Frodo didn't willingly give up the ring to be destroyed. Um, I was going through the spoiler channel in mm. on our Discord that uh, we have for That's What I'm Talking About, which I have muted until now. And I went back Yay. and I <laughs> I know, it was really exciting. Except for Casey was like, no, don't go. Like, I have something that I didn't want. And I was like, oh, too late. I already read it. <laughs> um, and there were a couple things about that people were saying about the movies that I just like skimmed over really quick and like, didn't read those but um uh, like several it was like when i started return of the king the question i asked for people to answer was like when what's a moment that a character has done something that just made you really angry and shoot i can't remember who said this in that in our like spoiler thread but they were saying that the moment that made them really angry was that frodo didn't wasn't the one to do the thing it was yeah. you know it was Gollum who did it by accident and yeah I totally get that I totally get because like that was the thing that just shocked me when the ring was destroyed I was like Frodo didn't do it what <laughs> yeah no the same it shocked me I mean it still does every time I watch the movie or read the book I'm like oh yeah dang that's crazy yeah <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So Sam comes back and they start talking about plans for the future. And Frodo is like, well, Sam, I think it's about time you move in with me. And (laughs) (laughs) Sam (laughs) is just like such a, I don't even, he, he really wants the best of both worlds because he's like, well, here's the thing. I really like Rose. I really like her and I want to marry her, but I also want to live with you, my best bud. And part of me is like, Tolkien was like, hmm, how can I have Frodo and Sam move in together and not have it be gay? Right. It, it feels, this, I, know. I, I wrote down bisexual energy because yes. I very much feel it at this point. Um, like my, my, my radar is up a little bit for that anyways. And uh, yeah, because <laughs> I could see it going both ways. And I do love the idea of they're just really good friends and they're very just non 
toxic about it and i love that but at the same time the way it's written it's not much of a stretch to yeah to go and i mean you've you've talked about this with other guests before and i totally agree that i could see both sides of it yeah it's just the fact that like uh it's literally like the first interaction Sam has with a female hobbit after getting back. <laughs> and Tolkien was like, I don't know. I think there's a spark between you two. Huh? Huh? You crazy kids? You want to get married? And they're like, I mean, I guess. The problem is that, like, I guess a lot happens, quote unquote, off screen. Because it, it mentions that Sam and Frodo have been staying with the Cottons while everything is being rebuilt. So I guess a lot has happened where like Rose and Sam are talking and a lot of feelings develop and that's great. But we don't see that. We literally see them interact two times before this moment where Sam is like, I think I want to marry her. So it just seems yeah. very random. The movie does pretty well at this. Like at the beginning, they kind of hint that Sam likes Rosie and is interested in stuff in the movie. And so it doesn't it's not quite as much of a shock by the end of the story yeah. because it was there all along that being said it is still more of a like relationship development than arwen and aragorn right <laughs> it's not as random as just arwen showing up it's the second time we've ever seen her and then elrond is like all right get married right well it. i'm curious if did you read that part in the appendix the aragorn and arwen part um no i hadn't read that part i was just kind of flipping through and skimming it oh i wouldn't <laughs> it's so depressing oh, like it's no. incredibly depressing because oh, i mean no. you talked about it when you talked about eowyn and faramir and her giving up being a shield maiden um and like her you know her defining feature being given up but that's like nothing compared to what oh, uh, is happening with Arwen I mean, and Aragorn yeah, she gave up her you know immortality and yeah. elfness to be with right. him like if I was an elf and I met a mortal man are you kidding me right. heck no like so if you read that story you get to read the part you know the oh, how depressing that is at the end of that and so yeah I wouldn't Maybe read the first half where they get to know each other. That's a good part. Okay, you know. perfect. And then I'll and then but I'll then, stop. Great. Yeah, exactly. That's that's how I treat um whenever I watch Prisoner of Azkaban, mm. um or what is it, Order of Phoenix. Whenever like Harry and Sirius have a moment together, yeah. and I particularly in in Prisoner of Azkaban, what I usually do is there's a moment where Harry and Sirius are looking up at Hogwarts and they're talking about Harry going to live with Sirius. I don't know if you know Harry, but when you were born. James and Lily made me your godfather. I know. And, well, I can understand if you choose to stay with your aunt and uncle. But if you ever wanted a different home, well, come and live with you. I turn the movie off right before they're like, oh no, it's a full moon. Lupin's transforming. Right. And then I'm like, and then they all lived happily ever after. And Sirius never died. That's a great ending point for the, the Harry end. Potter series. The end. <laughs> Voldemort who? No, none right. of it matters. But yeah, it, yeah. So Frodo, <laughs> Frodo says, "Oh, I see. You want to get married, and yet you want to live with me in Bag Into. But my dear Sam, how easy! Get married as soon as you can, and then move in with Rosie. There's room enough in Bag End for as big a family as you could wish for." <laughs> so my que- my question is: Is Bag End just like the neighborhood? Or is Bag End literally like Frodo's house? It's it's Frodo's house. Oh yeah. my god! So, I was giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, being like, "Oh, he's just saying like, oh, come in, move into the neighborhood." No, they're no. literally. 
Yeah, they already know. live in the same like neighborhood. So there's Hobbiton, which is like the town, and then there's Bagshot Row, which is like the road of these certain Hobbit mm-hmm. houses where Bag End is. And I'm pretty sure that Sam's Sam lives on that same road. Oh my gosh! Um, and so yes, Bag End is the actual house. That's hilarious. That just it just seems very sitcommy to me. Like when a, sit- a sitcom is like the only reason that these characters interact with each other is because they all live together. So we have to have them, we, you know, we have to have the married couple live with all of the roommates so that we right. can keep the show going or something. And someone might leave for a bit, but they're like, oh, no, this isn't working because it was working when they were all together. So they find a way to bring that character back to yeah. live in the same space, too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Specifically, I'm thinking of New Girl. <laughs> Mm. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Sam, it's like, great idea. And he marries Rose. And then they come and live in Bag End with Frodo. That's just so funny. Oh, my All God. Right. It's just so ridiculous. So Frodo is uh, a very happy hobbit. Everyone treats him very kindly and nicely. And he's very well taken care of. And he resigns as the deputy mayor. And that's kind of the last of his official business with rebuilding the Shire. And he just lives a quiet life, writing and going through all of Bilbo's notes. Meanwhile, it's basically just Merry and Pippin who are going around being the heroes of the Shire now. And it's just so funny because like, I guess in the rest of the book, it was, you know, Sam and Frodo being the Hobbit heroes. And now it's Merry and Pippin's turn. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Yeah, they're they're kind of feeling high and mighty. And so everyone treats them as heroes because they're treating themselves as heroes, right? And then Sam, he's off making the Shire look awesome again. And so he's probably getting some recognition for that as well. Like these are very outward shows of, of victory and that they've overcome the war. Whereas Frodo is like everything is internal and and no one understands his sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? Like no one treats him, as, as the chapter says, no one treats him as as having done any great thing when really he did the hardest thing of being the the ultimate ring bearer so it's kind of sad this idea that that frodo has saved the shire but he doesn't get to enjoy the the fruits of victory Mm -hmm. i think it's also very on brand for the hobbits that they are like mary and pippin and sam are our heroes because they are the ones who are like going out in the shire and doing this tangible work that they can see before their eyes of like oh you're rebuilding the shire you're making it better and it they they see how their work is directly affecting their lives whereas the things that frodo did yeah it says few people knew or wanted to know about his deeds and adventures because basically they're like I mean, if it didn't happen in the in the Shire, what what good is it to us? That doesn't matter. That doesn't affect us. And so they just have right. no idea that like what Frodo did had a huge effect over the their entire you know land and world. It's not that they like you know don't care about Frodo or anything. It's just that he isn't the one out in the community whatever planting flowers and so they're like oh he's not doing anything okay that's fine mary and pippin and sam are really doing all the work for us right well and also it's so ingrained in hobbit culture that they're against adventure and the fact that you know if frodo's gonna tell his story it it reeks of adventure and also he's the nephew of bilbo baggins who is seen as a um you know a little bit of a crackpot for all of his (laughs) adventures that he went on so yeah yeah, it's not it, it it makes sense why they're treating it this way but it is also sad Mm -hmm. yeah 
And then, yeah, like we were saying, he has another one of his dark days, and it's now the second anniversary of the time when he was stabbed by the writers. Frodo says to Sam, he says, I am wounded. It will never really heal. And that's just like very sad and dark and also, you know, a metaphor, I guess, for war-related PTSD. Yeah, <laughs> of, exactly. You know, there are wounds that never heal. There's a pain. Then Sam and Rosie, they have a baby and Sam's like, we're going to name our baby after you, Frodo. The only problem is it's a girl. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which I still would have. I would have been like, well, then I guess it's just Froda. I don't know. (laughs) Well, can we talk about Froda? I'm glad you said that because, okay, I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit with language here. So. Tolkien treats Lord of the Rings like he's translated it, right? And and that the hobbits have written it and he's translating it for our real world minds, right? In the hobbit language, the A ending is masculine and an O ending is feminine. Oh. So Frodo's name is not Frodo, it's Froda. But Tolkien is like, but the audiences won't believe that, so I'm going to change it to Frodo. But technically his name is Froda. <laughs> God, just the amount of work that he put into this series. And like, you know, a part of it is is just really amazing and, and, you know, magnificent to think back on and be like, wow, he really put a lot of thought and energy and effort into this. And then at the same time, it's like, dude, I think you went a little bit too far. (laughs) Like we no one would have ever questioned, you know, oh, the hobbits technically wrote it. And so I had to translate it And in order to translate it properly for our English minds. It's like, no, Tolkien, you don't need to go so hard into this. The hobbits wrote (laughs) what we know that you wrote this story. Okay, (laughs) we all know that Frodo and Bilbo are fictional characters and they didn't actually write this book. (laughs) Like our suspension of disbelief, like he he really firmly is like, I have to set up every little detail. Otherwise, their suspension of disbelief is just, it's not going to last. It's not going to make it. (laughs) Anyway, so, and then Fred is like, well, I mean, everyone here names their kids after flowers, so you could do that. (laughs) Frodo thinks of... So my it's brain... El- it's just Eleanor. It's just Eleanor. a different spelling Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, yeah, my brain was saying Eleanor, and yeah. I was like, maybe it's Eleanor or something. No, <laughs> Eleanor. The sun star, you remember that little golden flower in the grass of Lothlorien? That's what Frodo goes with. And I'm like, that's just so perfect. Right. I love that. Yeah. And now I'm going to name my child after... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then also... Listeners, I should say, when I was sending out postcards to my patrons, um, which, by the way, you can still, whenever you sign up for the Talking About Patreon, you will receive a postcard. One of them, one of the characters on the card was Eleanor, and I decided to, like, look it up thinking it was a Silmarillion character or something, and then it was, like, Sam and Rose's daughter, and I had oh. not gotten to this point in the story, and I was like, whoops. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Still accidentally, forever accidentally spoiling myself. Right. So there we go. And then Bilbo's birthday comes around. Man, what's it just once again, just be Frodo, it's your birthday too. I think you can say that it's also your birthday. And they note that he will pass the old toque. He will be 131. Yep. And that's basically all that Bilbo ever wanted. And so Frodo is like, hey, I think it's time for me to go visit Bilbo in Rivendell. Is it okay if you 
you know, take some time away from your wife and child and you come with me. And Sam said, once again says that he feels like he's torn in two. And Frodo says, but you will be healed. You were meant to be solid and whole and you will be. And I was like, what does that mean? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, dude. We learn a little bit about this book that Frodo has been working on and editing from Bilbo. It says the title page had many titles on it, crossed out one after another. <laughs> I love these. <laughs> I personally think we should have gone with this title instead of Lord I of love the Rings. <laughs> unnecessarily long titles. So I wish it was this whole thing. I know. It says... My diary, my unexpected journey, there and back again, and what happened after. (laughs) And then, (laughs) Adventures of Five Hobbits, the tale of the Great Ring compiled by Bilbo Baggins from his own observations and the accounts of his friends, what we did in the War of the Ring. And I'm like, that sounds great. I don't know what you're talking about. That, very catchy. And then it says, here Bilbo's hand ended and Frodo had written, the downfall of the Lord of the Rings and the return of the king. Yep. I just think, yeah, yeah it's just great. Well, and it's it's a little, I think it's a little bit of an in-joke too, because I don't know when Tolkien would have finished this chapter, but you know, when he, when he was writing this, obviously he intended it to be one story. Mm-hmm. And then the publishers are like, no, we need to split it into three stories. So there was a lot of back and forth about what are we going to call um, the story as a whole, what are we going to call the three individual stories? Um, he wasn't always a fan of, of, I don't remember which one, but I think some of these, he wasn't a fan of the titles. Um, and so to me, this feels a bit like uh, sort of laughing at that of, I'm not sure what the title should be. And here's this giant long title that is just unnecessarily long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, I think the downfall of the Lord of the Rings and the return of the king is a much better name than Two Towers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like Fellowship of the Ring, great. Return of the King, great. Two Towers? Is that really the focus of that book? I don't think so. Right. You know, like, I don't know what else I would have called it either, but... Yeah. The Ints? No. <laughs> what happens? Like, just a lot happens there, you know? Yeah. What? Well, maybe that's one that he didn't like. I I can't remember which one he wasn't a fan of. But what's interesting here is so so we've got the red book. Right. And he says that it was divided into chapters. But chapter 80 was unfinished. Mm -hmm. This, if you count the Hobbit chapters, if you count all the chapters of Fellowship, all of Two Towers, all of Return of the King, this chapter is chapter 81. So that means that Bilbo had stopped and Bilbo and Frodo had stopped right around halfway, partway through the scouring of the Shire. Right. I was interested, so I, I went back and looked. The few chapters before that, so um, what was it? It was Steward and the King, Many Partings, and Homeward Bound. Mm-hmm. They all end from dialogue or the perspective of Frodo. Scouring of the Shire ends from dialogue from Sam, from the perspective of Sam. And it also, this, this chapter starts from the perspective of Sam. And then, of course, this chapter, the very, very last bit is Sam speaking. So there's little clues in here that you can see that you know, Bilbo wrote The Hobbit and then some bits and pieces of The Lord of the Rings. Frodo went through and sort of added stuff mm-hmm. of his own. But then there's this shift from partway through the scouring of the Shire and into the Grey Havens that this is Sam finishing the story. Yeah. Wow. That's really, yeah, I was wondering, I did meet, yeah, I meant to go through and, and count up the chapters and see, oh, is this last chapter, chapter 80? But yeah, that, make, that makes like a lot of sense too, because in the previous chapter and this chapter, we don't get a lot of those internal thoughts and feelings from Frodo, which is why like, 
it's confusing when he's like, don't worry, Sam, you shall soon be whole and solid. And he's like being very cryptic. And it's very yeah. his his part of the story at this point is told very externally. Um, so, yeah, that may. Yeah. And so he Frodo gives this book to Sam. He says, I have quite finished, Sam. The last pages are for you. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. And then on September the 21st, which is tomorrow, because we're recording this. <laughs> it's like, it is weird how, right. uh, how <laughs> like, up. this lined up in the timeline of things. Yeah. But, uh, they set out together to go towards Rivendell. I love this. Frodo on the pony that had borne him all the way from Minas Tirith and was now called Strider. <laughs> so good. Oh, I love it. They named it. the pony Strider. <laughs> I love it. Oh, also, I will say, when Sam came in and was like hey we had a baby and we want to name it after name it after you but i thought he was gonna say but we decided to go with bill instead <laughs> and i thought he was gonna name their firstborn after bill the pony <laughs> oh my god <clears throat> anywho yeah so they named which i th- i think it's just hilarious that like yeah <laughs> the new king the king of elisar <laughs> and you named your horse after <laughs> his you know ranger nickname <laughs> colloquial oh nickname yeah it's great, it's great. <laughs> um and they start heading towards rivendell and sam is like oh my gosh that's the tree that we first hid from the black riders isn't that crazy and they stop to rest and frodo is singing and then love it love it they hear a response in elvish of, yeah. of singing and there was gildor and many fair elven folk, and there to Sam's wonder rode Elrond and Galadriel. And I was like, oh, snap. Because I thought I thought we were done with any of the other characters, and we would never see them again, and it was just going to be the hobbits to the end of the... So I was just like... And also the fact that like I love the elves, and then here they come in their dramatic... like What a dramatic entrance for them right. to wait for Frodo to be singing this song, and then they're like, ooh, we will also sing this song. And it's Gildor, which... If I recall, was the first elf that we met in Fellowship of the Ring. I think. I don't remember, but yeah. I I meant to look this up. Um, I believe Gildor is the one that when they first come across the Black Riders, when they're leaving the Shire, the elves come along. And this is like our first introduction to the elves. And this is when I imagined them walking in like the the Volturi. (laughs) From right. <laughs> where they're just like, they have like windswept hair. Right. Um, let's see. Yeah, because he would be the one that, that Frodo was like speaking Elvish with and was like kind of being buddy-buddy yes. with because they had that connection. Right? Yes, it was this it was this one. Because I, I remember there was, also a se- there was also a second elf called Glorfindel that yeah. just randomly shows up at one point. And since they both have G names, I couldn't remember like which one was which exactly. Right. So yeah, again, like things coming full circle of, of Gildor being like, hey, I know I've been missing this whole <laughs> battle and fight, but here I am again. And then behind them, riding sleepily on a small gray pony is Bilbo. And I was relieved because I joked in a chapter that, the next time they see that because Elrond was like, oh, meet me in the woods and I will have Bilbo with me. And I joked that like he was going to be in a coffin. And then there was a part of me that was like, oh, no, (laughs) did I just do a thing where like I joked about something, but I actually unknowingly predicted it? (laughs) Thank God that's not what happens at all. (laughs) 
here it says it's seeming to nod in his sleep. For all you know, he could have just been dead. They then wouldn't have propped. <laughs> So seeming morbid. To not, that seeming is a god. That would have been so more. Which is why I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure he's alive because I don't think the elves would be so <laughs> morbid as to prop up his dead body on a horse and then have him just like bobbing through the woods That's as horrifying. A, like as a way to trick Frodo into thinking that he's alive still. Good lord. Right. I love here that we introduce Elrond and Galadriel, and Elrond's described as having a star on his forehead, and he's he's a silver harp in his hand and and Galadriel's uh, robed all in glimmering white like clouds about the moon and then it's like and Bilbo's just riding a skinny horse kind of falling asleep behind them <laughs> yeah and uh, Galadriel comes over and is like Sam good of you to to use the dirt I gave you the yeah. Shire he says uh, the Shire shall now be more than ever blessed and beloved Sam bows says he had forgotten how beautiful the lady was and then Bilbo wakes up we were joking in the couple chapters ago when we were with him that like he kind of like just <laughs> just like oh to be old man Bilbo to just right, be yeah, yeah. <laughs> falling asleep and then just wake up whenever like you hear your name mentioned or yeah. you know and he said he says I've passed the old toque today so that's settled and now I think I'm quite ready to go on another journey. And I was like, okay, he's ready to pass away. But it made me laugh a little bit because in that moment, Bilbo was is that old man, guess I'll die meme of the, <laughs> the old man in the red sweater. And he's like shrugging. <laughs> Just the fact that Bilbo is like, well, I had this goal of growing a certain age. I've done that. And now I'm ready to die. <laughs> like on the day. Not even right. like... <laughs> You know, it's been an it's been a couple months. I think I'm ready to go now. No, he's like, well, that's settled. Time to die. Yeah, today's the day. <laughs> yeah, and then <sighs> Frodo says, <laughs> "Yes, I am coming. Uh, the ring bearers should go together." <sighs> Sam says, "Where are you going, Master? To the Havens, Sam." And this is where began a lot of my confusion. <laughs> is <laughs> is like. Death, <laughs> like a physical place <laughs> in Middle Earth that people can just go to when they're ready no. to die? Is it is no. it like in The Good Place? F spoiler right. alert for people who haven't seen the very, very end of The Good Place. Is it like in The Good Place when they have that portal that they go through when they're just they're just like, well, this is the end. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to be released into the universe. And then they just go. Sort of, but not here. Actually, I had that same good place connection like thought. So um, so the Havens, okay. <laughs> so the Havens, you go on this boat, right? And it takes you to a place called Valinor or the Undying Lands or Amon. It has a bunch of different names. But only the elves go there. And sometimes they let other people come. But no, it's not like a, it's not, I mean, like symbolically, metaphorically, it's kind of like death, but it's not a literal, they're not just choosing to die there. Okay. Um, it's more like a, it's more like a happy purgatory paradise kind of place. Okay. I don't know how deep I don't know how deep you want me to go, but like, <laughs> I was gonna, see, yeah. So here we we can yeah we can like talk more about that when we get to as we get there. Okay. Yeah, as okay. we get there, but yeah, I was like, okay, I know, like, I understand enough about the, about this part of the story that this is a metaphor for death. Yeah. But is this also a like literal? Is this a literal no. metaphor for death? No. So Frodo's not dying. Bilbo's not dying yet. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So Sam is like, what? You're going, you're going to the Havens? No, you have so much, you have so much to enjoy and to be and to do. And Frodo is like, I am in a lot of pain. I've been through a lot. I've been touched by a lot of darkness. And I see that the Shire is in good hands now and things are going well, but I'm never really going to fully, as he said before, that he's never going to fully heal from his troubles and his journey and darkness that he's experienced and he is he's ready to go to a place for some sort of rest this is again a moment of confusion where i'm like okay so is frodo clairvoyant now because he goes on with this beautiful it's a very nice speech that he, gives he has a to, list of names right? yeah that he gives to sam and he says he says that sam is going to be is his heir all that i had and might have had i leave to you and also you have rose and eleanor and frodo lad will come and rosy lass and mary and goldilocks and pippin <laughs> and perhaps more than this is the line that like really tipped me off and perhaps more that i cannot see so the fact that he's like i'm seeing <laughs> the you know that you're gonna have seven children or how i can't count whatever right. and then he says your hands and your wits will be needed everywhere you will be the mayor of course as long as you want to be and the most famous gardener in history and you will read things out of the red book and keep alive the memory of the age that is gone so that people will remember the great danger and so love their beloved land all the more and that will keep you as busy and as happy as anyone can be as long as your part of the story goes on so is frodo clairvoyant or <laughs> i think you could read it that way i've i i don't know that it's ever that's ever clarified i'm not sure if if the the ring or his being close to leaving Middle Earth has given him some sort of yeah. um, prophetic nature. But um, all these things happen. I mean, Sam I becomes know, mayor yeah, six times until weird. he's just done being mayor. And he has a child named Goldilocks. And, and so, I yeah, I it happens whether whether he saw it truthfully or not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, really? So I, I don't know. Part of me is thinking that maybe when Arwen gave the like magical stone necklace whatever to him that maybe like now he has some elf could be knowledge i don't know so okay whatever we're just gonna accept it and move on that frodo has some knowledge of the future <laughs> so they go towards they start march going towards the havens as they call it and it says with them went many elves of the high kindred who would no longer stay in middle earth so that was the other things i was like so are they le i was like are is this like a portal to another dimension that is taking them all out of middle earth yes okay 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 <laughs> basically we'll, we'll get to there in a second but and yeah. i appreciate also that like this makes a lot of sense to me that they would much like man i'm really glad i watched the good place because like it's really helping me like make <laughs> right? sense of this but like because the elves are essentially immortal and they live forever you can definitely get to a point in your immortality where you're like okay i'm like really done with this like can i can i die is it yeah. is it is it time now right so it makes sense that the elves would have come up with some kind of way to do something for for the elves that are just ready they're done with their lives and they're ready to move on to to the next thing whatever that whatever that is yeah, they go, they came to the far downs and to the towers and looked on to the distant sea. And so they rode down at last to Mithlond, to the Grey Havens in the Long Firth of Loon. This ship comes forward out of the sea. All of these people start walking on the boat. And then 
a gray figure emerges. Hmm, who could that be? It's <laughs> Gandalf. And I guess Gandalf is also ready to go through the portal. <laughs> Which I'm still kind of like, really, Gandalf? I think you're you're like one of two wizards who knows what happened to Radagast Saruman's dead I feel like we like I know you're ready to retire but maybe you have some work to do with Aragorn still I don't know man but you do you everyone feels better now that Gandalf is there and then it was so weird because at this exact moment I was like oh it's so sad that Merry and Pippin aren't gonna get to say goodbye At this exact moment, like at the exact moment, I kid you not, that I had that thought. The next line says, All was being made ready to depart. Up rode Mary and Pippin in great haste. And I was like, oh my God, Tolkien thought of everything, really. It's funny. It's funny you said that because I had that same thought here at this point. Even though I've read this book, like this book before, every time I read it, I'm like, well, Mary and Pippin should be there. That's kind of sad that they're not there. And then I know. up they pop. <laughs> I know. I was like, did I was like, does Frodo like not value their friendship enough to right. to have them, you know, to say goodbye to them? It was Gandalf who had told them about it. And he says he says, Yes, for it will be better to ride back three together than one alone. Well, here at last, dear friends, on the shores of the sea comes the end of our fellowship in Middle Earth. Go in peace. I will not say, do not weep. For not all tears are in evil. <sighs> oh, I love that line so much. Gandalf's such a good, a good wise counselor. You yeah. know, all your feelings are valid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Frodo says goodbye to Merry and Pippin and Sam, and he gets on the boat. He kisses them. That's yeah. important. He kisses them goodbye. Yes. He gets on the boat, and the boat slips away, and it says the light of the glass of Galadriel that Frodo bore glimmered and was lost. On the boat, eventually um, Frodo smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back. And he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. And gorgeous. that was a moment where I was like, so did did Frodo just die (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah so valinor is like this it's like the home the home ancient uh like the ancestral home place of where the elves are being called to and there's these sort of angelic heavenly guardians that live there called the valar and the elves are basically instilled with this constant longing to go back because they're afraid of if the elves stay too long in Middle Earth, they'll fade away, whatever that means, if they'll become like just spirits and ghosts. And so in order for them to stay immortal, eventually they have to go back. And so that's why they've all been sort of called back in droves to go back to Valinor. Um, that's where Gandalf is from, is from Valinor. So he's going back home too. Um, he came to Middle Earth to defeat darkness. And now that his quest is complete, he has no reason to be on Middle Earth. So that's why he's going back. Um all of them that bore the rings of power are heading back because those power, those rings don't have power anymore. And so that fading of the elves that I mentioned is going to speed up now. Um, once Sauron's ring was destroyed, those other rings lost their power. And that's why all three of them with the three great rings of power are introduced with their rings. Like there's, that's intentional. It mentions when Galadriel's introduced here, right, she's wearing a yeah. ring. Yeah. Elrond's wearing the ring and Gandalf's wearing the ring. Yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So when Elrond is introduced, it says, upon his finger was a ring of gold with a 
Great Bluestone, Vilya, the mightiest of the three. And then um, Galadriel, on her finger was Nenya, the ring wrought of Mithril. That bore a single white stone flickering like a frosty star. And then when Gandalf yeah. comes off the ship... Um, it says, uh, now wore openly on his hand the third ring, Narya the Great, and the stone upon it was red as fire. Yeah. So that makes yeah, a lot so more those, sense. That, so that. those rings, um, yeah, those rings have like a long history. Like uh, Kirdan, the shipwright here, he actually had the ring that Gandalf has um, at one point. But he had like a long history of, of wearing that ring. And then when he met Gandalf, he kind of saw into Gandalf's future. Um, and he realized that, uh, Gandalf was going to need that ring. And so he gave the ring to to Gandalf. And then um, Galadriel's always had her ring. Elrond has a ring that belonged to a different elf before. Um, and so, well, and Galadriel's interesting too. She's going back to Valinor because she wasn't allowed to go back. Um, she was kind of exiled in a way, I guess. I don't fully understand it, but she's finally now allowed to go back. So they all have like the reasons for for leaving. So Valinor is a really interesting place. So Middle Earth, it's it's kind of weird, but Middle Earth used to be flat a long time ago. And then these people called the Numenorians, they could sail to to the island of Valinor, which is this like paradise place, but they weren't supposed to go there and try to take it over. And so the Valar shaped the earth to be round again. But Valinor stayed on this flat plain. So you can't sail there anymore unless you have these magic elf boats that basically take you to another dimension or through space, almost like Peter Pan-ish. See, I've had... Okay, right. This is all... It's all, like, coming together now in pieces because I've had a lot of, like, joke... Like, joking conversations, but it really is accurate and true that elves are flat earthers. And they literally are. <laughs> and, like, that's the reason that, like, their their eyesight is so good is because they can see... Because, like, the her- when they, like, I guess originally were born or whatever, everything was flat. And they could just see straight ahead. And so, like, that's why their eyesight is so good. And they're literally flat earthers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, just having that context of the good place finale is really helpful right. <laughs> of, of it being like another dimension or, or portal or something. It's just so, so beautiful and having this imagery of, yeah, the, let's see, gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass, white shores beyond them was a far green country under a swift sunrise. However, to I mean, talking all about like Tolkien going like really hard into making sure that like our suspension of disbelief is, you know, that there's never a moment in our mind where we're like, oh, no, the hobbits wrote this thing, you know, definitely. Yeah. However, like how there's no way that Sam, you know, if Sam was writing this, there's no way that Sam would have known that this happened. But that's why he would use the vision from Tom Bombadil's house because Fro- Sam would have been told oh, by Frodo. I thought it was I, I like how I'm flipping back in my book as if the Tom Bombadil chapter is going to be in Return of the King. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I thought it was. So was it Sam that had that vision or that dream? So Frodo had the dream, okay, but he would have eventually told told Sam or Sam would have found out. So I think this is just Sam taking creative license that he wouldn't really necessarily know, but he kind of has an idea. Okay, I got you. I got you now. But yeah, yeah, so it jumps back to Sam's perspective. And of course, he and Merry and Pippin don't know that this has happened and that Frodo and everyone on the ship are going off to, you know, a greater land of of peace and and beauty and swift sunrises um and so they just kind of sit there 
It's like it's like a moment of whiplash where you're sitting and you're like, oh, like what a peaceful, beautiful moment. And then it jumps back. And then it's actually like really depressing because Sam, Mary and Pippin are just standing there watching the boat go off in the distance until they can't see it anymore, basically. And they all ride back together in silence. And oh, my God. (laughs) I just flipped the page and it's right. the last page. It's just there. That's oh it. <laughs> oh, wait, I guess I, I want to jump. Yeah, it says, at last the three companions turned away and never again looking back, they rode slowly homeward and they spoke no word to one another until they came back to the Shire. But each had great comfort in his friends on the long gray road. And then they go their separate ways and Sam comes home to Rose and... The evening meal was ready, and it says, And Rose drew him in and set him on his chair and put little Eleanor upon his lap. He drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. And that is the end of The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Except, just kidding, there's a hundred pages of appendix. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to get into the minutia of the grammar and the timeline and (sighs) the depressingness that is Aragorn and Arwen really go for it honestly yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, i'll talk about the appendix in in just in just a minute so talking about this fur this last this last line i'm not i don't i'm not a fan of it just the fact that he just says well i'm back i think i would have liked it a little more granted eleanor at this point is like six months old so it might not be appropriate reading material for her, but I think I might have liked it if it had been like Sam sat down in his chair and then has Eleanor in his lap and he takes out the red book and starts reading it to her. Yeah. I think that would have been great. What's funny is that was the initial like draft of this <sighs> is that the final chapter was Sam reading the red book to his children and them asking all these questions about, oh, what happened to this character? What happened to this character? So that's why there's all it's tying up all these loose ends. But then Tolkien sort of shifted that to us being the children, us as the audience being the ones learning about it rather than than making it literal. But yeah, uh, you're yeah, you're right on. You're right on with Tolkien, what he was originally thinking. Yeah, because so. I am. Yeah, I am a better writer, as we all know, than Tolkien. <laughs> um, no, it just I don't know. It just kind of caught me off guard because it seems very much like Sam is about to say something else. It yeah. just like, well, I'm back. It just seems very, I don't know, non-climactic okay. and it, yeah, it yeah. just it just seems like a very strange way to end a 1,000 page book. I should mention my yeah. my edition of the book, the last page is on page 1,008. <laughs> yeah. The reason I like it, I think because it says he drew a deep breath. So to me, it's like it's a big sigh of maybe some relief, but I think that it doesn't end I think this is bittersweet. I think there's a bittersweetness to the way he's saying, well, I'm back. That it's a, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've got this nice life, but he, you know, he drew a deep breath. I think he's, I think he misses Frodo. I think that there's bittersweetness to it. And I like, I mean, I love bittersweet endings. And so I think that's part of it. Also, if you remember that, that Bilbo's title for The Hobbit is there and back again. So that word back is very specifically placed to sort of mirror that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but yeah, I can, I can see what you're saying that maybe there could be, could be something a little more. I don't know. It just it just really threw me off. Oh, I wanna I wanna jump back real quick to earlier when Frodo was telling Sam and was like, "Don't worry, soon like you deserve to be whole again and to not f- because Sam kept saying that he he felt like he was torn in two because he wanted to be with Frodo but he also wanted to be with his family, and so when Frodo goes off to the good place, 
um, <laughs> as I'll start calling it. Um, he he like that. That's him. That's his way of being like, Sam, you will no longer have to choose between me and your family or, or whatever else you're doing in your life, because I'm taking myself out of this picture. And and you are free basically to go about your life and do lots of things in the future which now getting into the appendix i have gotten a lot of questions of if i'm going to cover the appendix on the podcast i think right now my answer is no maybe farther in the future if i'm really running out of stuff (laughs) I'll, i'll cover it but i just don't think it would be fun or interesting to cover the appendix there are some interesting parts of it but like where is it There's an entire section where, like, Tolkien goes through the alphabet and is, like, yeah, he says, like, like, consonants. C has always had the value of K, even before E and I. Kelleb, C-E-L-E-B, silver, should be pronounced as Kelleb. See, that's not fun for podcasting (laughs) content. Yeah. Um. There are some interesting things about like family trees in here and timelines. It is very helpful. So I was flipping through this after I finished the chapter and was like, there's an entire timeline of the books that lays everything out by month and day of like what happened. And it's like, um, July the 4th, Boromir sets out from Minas Tirith. July the 10th, Gandalf is imprisoned in Orthanc. Let's see. Like February the 14th, the mirror of Galadriel. Gandalf returns to life and lies in a train. It's very helpful and it would have been, yeah. obviously it would have spoiled a lot of things. But like as I was, <laughs> as I was reading, it would have been really helpful to come to this timeline and be like, oh, okay. So as Frodo and Sam are going through the dead marshes, you know, Aragorn and them are also doing X, Y, and Z and whatever. Anyway, point being, there's also a timeline, which I want to talk about real quick that shows what happens with it says later events concerning the members of the fellowship of the ring yes yeah and this is essentially our version of the harry potter deathly hallows epilogue that terrible terrible (laughs) epilogue (laughs) it says that yeah so on September the 29th, they come to the Grey Havens. Frodo and Bilbo depart over sea with the Three Keepers, the end of the Third Age. And then on October 6th, Sam returns to Bag End and, and says, well, I'm back. <laughs> um, and then what happens is a lot of what Frodo predicted. Sam is elected mayor of the Shire. This is great. Pippin has a son and names him Faramir. So good. <laughs> All right, Sam has a daughter, names her Goldilocks. Mary is called the Magnificent. <laughs> great. Well, and Faramir and Goldilocks get married too. So that's yeah, great. yeah. It's so great. Yeah. Um, Sam becomes, is elected mayor again. He just keeps being elected mayor. Yeah, like six times, I think. Yeah. Eleanor is made a maid of honor to Queen Arwen. Where is it? Yeah. Faramir took Mary's Goldilocks, daughter of Samwise. <laughs> I love this. Oh, seventh. He comes mayor seven times. Okay. Yeah. Not six. And then, whew, 1541. In this year, on March 1st, came at last the passing of King Elisar. Oh, so at this point, everyone else has died. 
of the fellowship or moved on. Merry and Pippin have already died at this point. Sam also doesn't really note when Sa- it just says on September 22nd, Master Samwise rides out from Bag End. He comes to the Tower Hills and is last seen by Eleanor, to whom he gives the Red Book, afterwards kept by Fairburns. <laughs> Fairburn, Fair, whatever. Um, among them, the tradition is handed down from Eleanor that Samwise passed the towers and went to the... Oh, there it is. Samwise passed the towers and went to the Grey Havens. So... Yeah, because Sam technically as a ring bearer had that right to go. get to go to Valinor. So even though That's he only right. bore it for a short time. Yeah. So Frodo had the ring so long that it like really affected him. He needed that healing as well as the healing of his yeah. wound from Weathertop. Um, so that was kind of his reward was you get to go to Valinor hang out for as long as you want, basically, until you want to move on and actually die. Yeah. Um, that was kind of his reward. Um, whereas Sam, as it said, he he had more to do still in Middle-earth. He had, you know, he did, he wasn't as affected by the ring. And so he kind of waited to, mm-hmm. to leave. Right. Yeah. And I just think it's just so fitting that Aragorn is the last of them to to like officially die. And it says that then Legolas built a gray ship in Athelion and sailed down Anduin and so oversea. And with him, it is said, went Gimli the dwarf. And when that ship passed an end was come in Middle Earth of the Fellowship of the Ring. So they literally, Legolas Dang. and Gimli literally sailed into the sunset sailed together. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me so happy. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Um, So yeah, yeah, I just wanted to like share. There's like so much more in the appendix to like go through but again it's just really like appendix d is the shire calendar you don't want to hear me talk about the shire calendar and leap years and (laughs) the yule was at the end of the year there's there's a lot in here that just isn't interesting uh podcasting content so i will not be covering the appendix However, I encourage you to read it. If you've listened this far, you probably like Lord of the Rings enough that maybe you're interested in that stuff. So now you can you can go on and read yeah. the appendices. <laughs> I would yeah, I would encourage you to go read through it because it's it's interesting. The other thing is like there's no good way for me to talk about the massive family trees right. <laughs> like verbally. That's not good. Yeah. You know, audio content there. So, no, I won't be covering the appendix, but here so here's the here's the game plan listeners for for what's to come. Next week will be a special episode. It's kind of a way to separate the books and the movies where I will be sharing former guest reactions and I will also be hearing some of my listeners reactions from you guys if you want to share your reactions and thoughts and feelings with me about listening to me experience Lord of the Rings for the first time you still have time to do that the deadline is October 1st that's this Thursday and you can share your recording to TolkienAboutPod at gmail.com and it will still have time to be included in that special episode that will be happening next week. But it'll be a special fun episode to kind of think back on how dumb I was and (laughs) and be like, man, I can't believe that you so accurately predicted your holes theory. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, side note, I went on bacon and eggs to cover holes and, neither, and they didn't know why you were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neither Ethan nor Tyler questioned. They're like, yeah, the listeners wanted you to come on for this. I don't know why. It's just so random. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm on this because... <laughs> 
<laughs> because I had this insane theory that I wouldn't let go of that Return of the Kid, they were going to destroy the ring like at the end of Holes when <laughs> Stanley carries Zero up the mountain. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, so good. <laughs> speaking of those dumb idiots, um, they will be on. So, yeah, so there will be that like fun little interlude. I will also be doing a bonus episode um, for a post Return of the King pre movies Q&A. Then we will begin the movie coverage. I will be doing it in parts. I won't be doing it like one episode per movie that would be insane and for the first part of the movie i will have ethan and tyler on god bless us all we will see <laughs> what happens with that um and that week should be a fun if everything goes according to plan it should be a fun crossover extravaganza because they will also be covering the Lord of the Rings movies in full on bacon and eggs like how they normally do. So the coverage of the movies, I will be doing it in parts. Those will be the theatrical editions. And then there will be another episode specifically to talk about the extended editions. So don't you worry. I will be watching it all. I will be covering it all. I pulled up my calendar to like see where, where things are laid out. I should be covering the movies through the end of 2020. And the first Hobbit chapter should theoretically also be the first episode of 2021. So that's where that's where we're going. I'm devoting a lot of time to the movies. It might even be more. Who knows? But get excited. Start watching the movies and and it'll be a fun time. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, so so that's what's happening, listeners, with the next couple episodes. Like I said at the start of the episode, this isn't the end of That's What I'm Talking About. It's just the end of this journey. It's really weird for me because I'm not going to be reading Tolkien for several months for a while. now. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> like, I've been reading him for the last year, oh, more than a year, and now I'm like... What do I read? <laughs> what <laughs> He's that house guest that has been there a long time and you've just forgotten what it's like for him to not be around. And now he's going to be gone. What do you do? As the kids say, Tolkien has been living in my brain rent free. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. So, all right. So, Casey... What would you like to, to share with our audience? What do you have to, to plug? I co-host a podcast, Hello From Elsewhere, with my wife, Valerie. We talk about all kinds of pop culture stuff. We dive into the themes and symbolism of stuff and trivia, and we have a lot of fun. Sometimes we talk about Lord of the Rings. Sometimes it's Star Wars, Harry Potter, uh, pretty much everything that we love. So check us out. Also, what's going to be fun for me is that now I can listen to Hello From Elsewhere without having that moment of panic where I have to leap across the room and pause it because like, because like on a, on a recent episode, you guys were talking about, I think it might've been the episode where you were going through your favorite, your list of movie, you know, picking one movie every year since you were born or since oh, Valerie yeah. was born. And yeah. you were talking about return of the King and you were like, yeah, that makes me cry. And Valerie was like, Oh, what part? And I hadn't oh. finished return of the King yet. <laughs> like, oh, and no. I was I, like, panic jumped across the room to like pause it but i think at the time there was some part of you that was like i'm gonna be vague just in case mary clay is listening that oh, you yeah. knew when, for sure when whenever 
we talk about Lord of the Rings, I'm fully aware. I'm like, Mary Clay might be listening. Also, we have we share listeners. So I'm like, I know there's some people going through Tolkien about that are, you know, avoiding spoilers too. So um, now I can be a little free as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. What is something that you are enjoying that you would like to recommend to the listeners, whether it's a book, a movie, etc.? It's uh, Lord of the Rings related. I shared it in your Discord and no one seemed to care. So oh, I'm going to no. share it here because it's because it's a masterpiece and it is The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins by uh, Leonard Nimoy. He made he had these random songs in the 60s, Leonard Nimoy being Spock from Star Trek. Right. I remember talking about this with it, it might have yeah. been with you truthfully on a past episode. I rem- no, I remember talking Maybe I've about talked, this. Maybe I I mean, I think about it every day, so it's I mean, listen to some of these lines like so it starts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some, if that's okay, some of these lyrics. So, in the middle of the earth, in the land of the Shire, there's a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. With his long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, lives in a hobbit hole, and everybody knows him, Bilbo 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 Baggins, only three feet tall, Bilbo 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 Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. Now hobbits are a peace-loving folk, you know. They're never in a hurry, and they take things slow. They don't like to travel away from home. They just want to eat and be left alone. <laughs> I'll stop there because I don't want to spoil the rest of it. But go to YouTube. Go to YouTube. Just search The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Find the one that looks very 60s, faded colors, and Spock singing about hobbits. And it's my favorite thing in the world. I love that. That's great. <laughs> That's amazing. I will definitely like, I'll go, I'll watch it once we finish the call. I'll watch it and then I'll go back in Discord and I'll like really, I'll hype it up. <laughs> And then everyone in Discord isn't going to know about that until two weeks from now when they listen to right. this episode. <laughs> That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBE.org, where you will find all of our other awesome shows like Casey's show, Hello from Elsewhere, as well as our musical theater fan podcast, Sincerely Us. Dear listener, today's going to be a good day, and here's why. Because today we're headed to Broadway. Are we? Okay, maybe not, but we're talking about Broadway. I'm Becca. And I'm Eenie, and we host Sincerely Us, a podcast for the casual musical theater fan. We discuss everything from strong female characters, to Ben Platt, to individual shows, to Ben Platt, <laughs> to act one finales and everything in between. We even have a few experts on to talk about their expertise in the realm of musical theater. It's an easygoing show for every theater fan, no experience required. Listen every Wednesday at WBNE.org or wherever you get podcasts. That's not a Disney fan cast, I promise. The cover is by Graphite, aka Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, and you can also join our Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. And you can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod, and you can become a sponsor like... Danny. Danny is a like longtime supporter of That's What I'm Talking About. And I'm amazed that I have so many great longtime supporters like Danny. Thank you for being, I should have used the phrase at the end of all things, honestly, more in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Danny, for being, for being with me as a supporter now at the end of all things, but it's not the end of all things. So it's fine. <laughs> A few weeks ago, the discussion question in honor of Bill the Pony, of course, is who is your favorite animal in fiction? Uh, in Discord, Eni said 
Kovu from Lion King 2, followed by, I don't know why I said that, but there it is. <laughs> um, and Nora said Koshek from Welcome to Night Vale. Excellent answers. In our Facebook group, Amy said Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. This is not surprising if you know Amy. Charlie said Perry the Platypus. Excellent. These are all excellent. And a lot of people said Pascal and Maximus from Tangled. And I want to share one of my favorites is Pabu from Legend of Korra, who is Bolin's fire ferret. Now that we're moving into the movie episodes, I'm going to put a pause on doing the discussion questions. I might bring these back once I start reading The Hobbit. We'll see. But that being said, I still like hearing from you guys each week on social media and getting to learn more about your preferences for movies and different fictional characters and and books and whatnot. So I think I'll still try and come up with a way to ask a like conversational question on social media, but just in a less formal way. So make sure you're following all the social medias if you liked the discussion questions. Also, if you have been listening all this time and you like what you're listening to, please rate and review on iTunes, especially leave a review, say something nice. I like, I'm a narcissist. I like reading nice things about me. So just do that for me and I will love you forever, truthfully. All right, cool. All that being said, Casey, do you have any parting words for the audience? It is gone forever and now all is dark and empty. (laughs) That's not true, but that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Sorry to end on a a low note there.